Welcome to Retro Fanfic Retrospective, the podcast where we dredge up old fanfiction and expose it to the cold, harsh light of 2020. My name is Amato, and with me are... Dom. And our very special guest for today... Hi, I'm Ashley. I'm Dominic's older sister. And this completes our set of having (laughs) relatives on the podcast, right? One for each, at least. Yeah, I've had two. (laughs) You're going to have to catch up. I'm going to have to catch up. I'm going to see if mom wants to do some Star Trek or something. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Right? (laughs) How about I have one of my other personalities? We can do that. (laughs) But, no, it seems like your mom, there's all kinds of things that she's like really into that she could probably talk about a story about right well we're recording in um, an old storage room right now you can probably turn around and find some books there <laughs> of moms <laughs> uh sherlock holmes so this, oh yeah yes this actually used to be my room and whenever i would have sleeping problems i would just pull something off the shelf mm-hmm. and that was both a blessing and a curse because there's some really phenomenal pieces up there but like i was saying earlier um i also found like edgar Allan poe <laughs> and when you're having insomnia problems and you're reading the telltale heart about someone who sneaks into your room in the middle of the night to kill you you start sleeping with the light <laughs> oh yeah then insomnia so- is <laughs> not a problem anymore it's just a fact <laughs> i was thinking <laughs> i was thinking about the horror of the telltale heart being like the guy's, you know, paranoia and anxiety, but I forgot about the entire sequence about slowly and silently creeping up to murder that dude. Uh-huh. <laughs> Fun times. Well, good night. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have... Uh, the fun thing about having a guest on is, of course, as noted there, always choosing a story that we otherwise wouldn't choose to suit their particular passions. And my understanding <laughs> is that you are a big fan of the classic 1979 Japanese anime and of Green Gables. <laughs> is that correct? You know, Miyazaki worked on it. Yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's where that's from, right? Um, yeah. This yeah, is fan absolutely. fiction, so it's... That is absolutely where that's from. <laughs> the, um, there's that one, and there's several others. Actually, I think the first time they, they put it to stage in any way, shape, or form, I think was about 1910. Oh, really? So it's, you know, the story is, it's Anne of Green Gables by Lucy Maud Montgomery. And it was... Are you sure she didn't base it on the anime? It's pretty popular in Japan. Well, you know, she actually lived in, um, on Prince Edward Island. And I don't know what the reception was like there back in, you know, the 1890s. It was pre-internet, so, so it was probably hard to get in. they may anime. not have had cable. Oh, 1890s, <laughs> not, I don't know. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they may not have had cable, and I'm not entirely sure what, whether or not Amazon delivered mm. to that part of the island at that time. So mm-hmm. it may have been hard for her to, to get a hold of it. So, yes. <laughs> to, uh, all right, the the one hundred and twelve year old novel series by L. M. Montgomery, right? <laughs> yes. yes. Can, um, can you tell us a little bit about your background with that series? So my mother actually, our our, our mom, <laughs> you know, pulling you in on this. That's song. okay. I'm a middle child. Uh, I'm used to being forgotten. <laughs> who could forget you? You're adorable. Um, my my mom got me a copy of Anne of Green Gables when I was about eleven years old. And I thought it was weird to begin with. And then just one day I sat down and read it. And I, like so many other people, devoured it. Um, it's, it's a story written by uh, Lucy Maud Montgomery, who actually went by Maud. Um, she grew up as an only child. And she grew up on 
Prince Edward Island and was raised by her older grandparents. And Anne is a character that she came up with who is an 11-year-old orphan who was originally from, I want to say, Broiling Book, New Brunswick. I think that's right. And she, her parents both died before she was three months old. And she had spent her life before she came to Green, to Green Gables or the town of Avonlea, um, basically being shuffled back from family to family and then eventually an orphanage where she was adopted. I'd, I'd, like, um, I'd like to actually stop you here, Ashley. We kind of assume uh -huh. that anyone who's bothering to listen to this particular episode of the podcast about a Anne of Green Gables fanfic is passingly familiar with it. <laughs> I'm, I'm more interested... You said you wanted a fan. I can do this or I can do this. <laughs> I got you there, Amon. No, I got That's you. True. I got you. I mean, yeah. My, my background with Anne of Green Gables is I, yeah, I read the first book. I loved it. Um, I didn't realize, actually, that there were more books. Oh, really? Until I was probably in my 20s. You have that in common and with Dom. Then I... <laughs> Well, we are related. Well, no joke. So. I found out like 20 minutes ago there were there was more than one book. You thought it was just a book called <laughs> yeah. Anne of Green Gables, huh? Yeah, as far as I knew. Yeah, there's there's actually um, there's eight books in the Anne of Green Gables series, and um, I think I think Ellen, I think Montgomery wrote like 13 total. But as far as Anne's story, there's yeah, there's eight books. Yeah, um, yeah. I recently read. I read them. I recently read two of the um, of the other series of. Yeah. Uh, Emily? No. Oh. Uh, I'm blanking. I must not have read it too recently. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I, what I think is interesting, so I'm, I'm going to admit that the piece that we read for this, I've never read fanfic before. Mm -hmm. So this is the first time I've ever read fanfic for anything. And it was interesting to do it because I am, I'm really passionate about Anne of Green Gables. Um, it's a character that a lot of people can relate to. Um, you know, she's she's imaginative. She thinks outside the box. She gets into really interesting idiot scrapes, which I can, yeah. <sighs> There's stories, which we're not getting into. Right. Um, <laughs> but... Yeah, no promises. She, she's just someone who's really relatable. And it's there's something that's actually really comforting about her stories. Um, I actually pull out the series and read the series about once a year. Wow. Um, yeah. Well, I don't have a lot. So. <laughs> well, um, I, I, think, yeah. I think, Dom, you've, you haven't read any of them. Is that right? Um, I read the Spark Notes in order to get ready for this. Wonderful. After I read this fanfic, I actually went back and read a few selected chapters of the first book sure. <laughs> of apparently yeah. many the, yeah. the book. And I'm definitely the median here because I, I read the series, the first few books as a kid. And I think I stopped once she got married and found it less relatable. And I went back and reread the first couple of books with my wife recently, like a few, <laughs> recently, like a few years ago. Uh, and I think we got bogged down in college and stopped about there. So that's about book three. Um, Lightweight. <laughs> University, I guess, whatever. No, college, college. Okay, the other fine. one's high school. Fine. <laughs> so you're definitely going to be the expert here on um, everything, everything relating to this. Yeah. One of the things that I think is really interesting, though, with the Anne of Green Gables series is the reason I, I'm, I'm really glad you guys agreed to, to doing this theory, you know, this story, because I kind of feel like Lucy Maud Montgomery herself in writing 
anything after Anne of Green Gables, it felt like fanfic. Mm-hmm. Um, she has a couple of theories where there's, they're not about Anne. Um, actually, even within the Anne series, there's uh, Rainbow Valley and Rilla of Ingleside, which are focused mainly on, spoiler alert, Anne's children and the kids that live down down the way from where they grew up. And Anne feels like, it, it, it feels like fanfic. Like, you have these moments with, with her as a person where you're like, I don't know. And sometimes it just feels like she shows up like, hey, everyone. Oh, Anne. yeah, making a guest appearance in Ellen Montgomery's own books. Yeah, yeah. In, her, in her own story. <laughs> so that was, with, with the, the piece that was selected, I was kind of interested in it because of the fact that, you know, Ellen Montgomery, it felt like she wrote her own fanfic for her own character. And I wanted to see how it kind of compared to see, I was, I was, you know, I was curious as to whether or not it might be almost better. Well, because there are, people are so passionate about it. They are. You're not the only one. And let's talk a little bit about the story that I chose because, you know, I have an arbitrary cutoff date of like 2005, 2006 ish. And it's a lot easier to find newer Anne works than that online. It's because Part- of the, the shows that have come out? Yeah, because of like, I think there's been a, yeah. I think there's been a couple of re-newer incarnations of Anne since 2005, there's haven't there? New but one there's on, the new, new one, yeah. Yeah, on Netflix. Um, Anne, We're not Anne with an E. <laughs> Anne with an E, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you can find a lot more stuff. But this was kind of, and I, I'm not like part of the fan community, right? I'm not hooked into old stuff. So what I literally did this time, which I have to do sometimes, I went to fanfiction.net, which I don't do all that much. And I just looked for stories that had a lot of people favoriting them, following it, and commenting on it. So like your fanfiction selection process is something you think would be good, or barring not having that information, you pick something that that is at least popular and well trod. Yeah, like I have a reason to think it might be good at least. Right. And so it definitely so, so, it's definitely yeah. got an order of magnitude more attention than the other stories around it from right. that time period. I just want, want to point out that uh, popular doesn't always point to quality. I mean, Keeping Up with the, with the Kardashians is a popular show. <laughs> Part of the fun is that sometimes I'm wrong about it being good. But but okay, I also glanced so at the I comments. Legit... I also glanced at the comments and they sorry. were pretty positive. Yeah. No, sorry. What was that actually? Yeah. I was going to say, I legit did not realize that they were not talking about Star Trek. So, but who wasn't talking about Star Trek? Kardashians. I thought, they were, I thought they were talking about Kardashians. <laughs> that is fair. That'd be more appealing. More Deep Space Nine, I think, is keeping up with the Kardashians. Yeah. And so there's... Thank you. Thank you. I was really disappointed. <laughs> there's two things about this story. One is that it's very fanfiction.net in some ways that we'll get to. And <laughs> another, like, very specifically that community of fanfiction writers. And another thing is that it's, it's so... I was just going into it, like, from the beginning. It is Anne Gilbert romance. And that's canon already. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of, I mean, for one thing, I, I I lost a little bit of interest from that premise, but decided to go along with it anyway, because it's the best choice. If you're going to write Anne of Green Gables mm-hmm. romance, Anne Diana is sitting right there. Right? Like, yeah. but, I mean, sure, Gilbert. Gilbert's fine, I guess. Um, anyway... So yeah, I guess I guess we can start talking about the story already because I imagine you have some things to say. Help me work out the continuity here a little bit, right? Okay. Because that, yeah. this story starts with Gilbert proposing to Anne and her turning him down, but that actually happens 
in the books at a completely different point, right? Yes, it does. It happens when she is at, um, she's at college. And it was, I think by that point, it was actually her third proposal. <laughs> because, the yeah, oh, that's your story you asked. Um, her first proposal actually was through her friend Jane, because Jane's brother, Billy, wanted to marry Anne. And Anne was like, uh, no. So that was her first proposal. And that happened, I think, when she was about 18 or 19. Was one of the, propo- and then, one of the uh, proposals Arthur Nathaniel Richardson III? Uh, yeah, that sounds... Wait, no, that's, that's, that the, that's the character from here, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, there's some other, like, Absolutely. Uh, rich jerk at college who proposes, right? Roy. I, I, think, his, I think his name was um, Roy something. I, I should know I this. got that far. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the other person that proposed, I want to say was, I think it was Charlie. Um, Charlie Sloan. Either Charlie Sloan proposed or Moody Spurgeon McPherson proposed. Either way, it was super uncomfortable and awkward. And she was like, I don't think so. Originally, um, I think it was, I think it was Moody Spurgeon McPherson who proposed to her or maybe Charlie. I don't know. Maybe, maybe uh, listeners can correct. I I can't keep them straight. They're both just like some of those other guys who are around. They're, they're basically the same really boring person. Right. So (laughs) they don't have a whole lot of personality. Which is interesting because in this fanfic, like, wow. Um, but, yeah, so either Charlie Sloan or Moody proposed, and it was just a complete disaster, and then Gilbert proposed. But and that's, like you said, back in college. And this is chronologically in, in Anne's life, set later than that because she's principal of the school, and Gilbert's already going to medical school. He's, like, back for the right, summer. Right, but in, in, in this story, I think I worked at that, I think... I think she was like 18 or 19 in this story, which is way before any of that happened. Huh. Yeah. So, so, so it's a little bit, I don't know. It's a little bit off in terms I, of continuity. It's like, it's like some things are getting well. ignored or something, but, but yeah. whatever. Um, it's, it, okay. it jumps right into it. There's 20 chapters of the story and starts right in with Gilbert proposing uh-huh. and turns him down because she's like, I uh, don't really want to get married at all. Period. Can we still be friends? Okay. Okay. <laughs> major issue. <laughs> major, major and, and the thing is, so I, with my concerns about this stuff, it's not me being persnickety as far as like, oh, she wouldn't do this. This really is part of Anne's character. Anne is a hopeless romantic. She yeah. has the, ever since, one of the first things that she talks about in Anne of Green Gables is talking about how she'll never be a bride because she doesn't think anyone will ever want to marry her. But she is a complete romantic. She wants to get married. She just never thinks it's going to happen. So for her to say that feels like a complete cop-out because first thing that she's doing is lying through her teeth and lying to Gilbert, who absolutely knows better. Hmm. Yeah, I did not remember that well enough, but I, you're right. That does, and it's not presented as her lying. It's presented as that being her actual stance at the beginning of this. It's kind of key to the, right. the arc that is given to her in this story. Right, which is completely against her character, though. Well, isn't it Just, more in character for, like, young Anne earlier in the book before she grows up? This is pretty adult, though. But, yeah, I'm saying it's the right character, wrong time sort of thing, maybe. <laughs> not, not, not really. Um, it's it's kind of one of those things where I feel that, you know, yeah, she she had some really wild ideas and some childish things, and she was... I will agree. The one thing that it talks about, especially in this chapter, is the fact that she was, at the time, immature. 
And with Anne, because of her background and because of just her imagination and everything, really and truly the biggest problem with Anne and Gilbert is the fact that she really doesn't know what love is, which is why she turns him down initially, because she thinks that love has to be wildly romantic and mysterious when that's not it at all. And so I think the author was trying to go for that. They definitely are. That immaturity that you just mentioned, I guess both of you, is definitely key to like the author's thesis and like story arc that they're giving to Anne here. And so like at the Mm -hmm. end, it's like, um, you know, Gilbert has all sads because he's been rejected, but uh, a man thought he had proposed to the woman he loved and had been rejected, but it was the girl, not a woman who had refused him. It was the girl overcome by the prospect put before her for reasons she had yet to decipher herself who had refused to marry Gilbert Blythe. And I'd just like to say straight out, at the very least, there is a thesis and a character arc that the author is trying to do from square one, mm-hmm. which yes. is not always yes. guaranteed when you are writing it chapter by chapter like this author very, very clearly is. Right. <laughs> Sometimes, very often in a work, the author would just kind of get started, post a chapter by chapter, and partway through realize like what they're actually trying to do. So uh, I, I do appreciate yeah. that the author kind of had an idea what they were trying to do direction. in mind. Right, they had a direction. Yeah, and I, I, I did appreciate that. So, I mean, within the first chapter, you, you kind of know what the story is going to be about. Um, I just, my, my I, I'd say, concern is the fact that the characters are just not, you know, they're just, they're, they're not right. Hmm. Um, Gilbert comes across as being really, really manipulative. And through this chapter, there's a, I, 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 I've got my notes in front of me, and one of the things that I that keep coming that keeps coming up is he's not that petty. There's um, the, with it, it's literally the second paragraph where it says, "Just friends, how cruel those seemingly innocuous words could be." So Anne surely just wanted to be friends. Gilbert smiled weakly. "Just friends, Anne. I thought we were kindred spirits." That I mean, okay. The guy just got totally stone cold rejected. All right. And He's trying to keep up good humor there. Smiling yeah. weakly. Yeah. However, that's not Gilbert at all. Um, he did, yes, when in the books when Anne rejected him, he did get frosty. But that seems more like he's trying to like manipulate her. I think in and, that's concerning. In, in general, it didn't bother me too much, but there is definitely a part later in the story where he does realize, like, oh, she's kind of had, like, a delayed childhood because she had such a rough, yeah. like, traumatic childhood. And then he's like, I'll just hang around her for the next few years until she grows into a woman and then propose again. And I'm like, uh, I'm not, I'm not sure how I feel about this, Gilbert. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I... I was going out with guy one and I told him I wasn't interested and he said that's okay I can be patient and I'm like no no not Not sure I can get behind you on this one Gilbert (laughs) yeah and that's so that's the thing with Gilbert having that attitude that really disturbed me because what the Gilbert that I see in this chapter and as it kind of goes on is he is all about Gilbert he's all about his feelings and his his pride and it's Really, really concerning. But yeah. th- that's not the case the whole time. I think I think in this story we're going to have no. to jump around a little bit thematically because there's not 
Yes. Like, the plot as such is basically... I mean, it's very Anne of Green Gables, honestly. It's kind yeah. of a lot of oh, yeah. incidents over various chapters. Some of them span multiple chapters in this case. But incidents yeah. that kind of draw them a little bit closer together after the initial, like, strain of the refused marriage. But, like, for example, yeah. one of the things that happens in the latter half of this fanfic is that, like, she ends up opening up a little bit about her past and he's just, like, a good listener about it. And, like, that's, yeah. you know, not... That's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's cool. And, like, it kind of makes a point that he's not, like, she doesn't feel like she could tell Diana because Diana would, like, break down in, like, sympathetic, you know, uh, spasms of tears and, like, you poor thing if, like, Anne said anything about her childhood. I mean, then again, right. for the sleazy Gilbert hypothesis, which I I didn't consider until before, but now I'm ramping up to. <laughs> you did use, Thank you. You did, you did use that knowledge later to buy her the one gift from her childhood she wanted in order to win her back after an argument. That's true. Yeah, he does do that. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, that's supposed yeah, to be sweet. Yeah, about Gilbert. Yeah. <laughs> it's supposed to be sweet, and it was really sweet until it was like, wait a minute. I mean, <laughs> you know, it, it, it makes... The character of Gilbert in the books is, first off, extremely independent, one of the things that they say about the Blythes is that the Blythes are incredibly independent. And um, spoiler alert, Marilla, um, Anne's ad adopted guardian, at one point had actually been interested in Gilbert's father when they were young. And they got into a bit of a tiff and Marilla was trying to be dramatic about it, I guess. And he just said, okay, and just walked on. And that was, that was the end of it. And that is more of kind of Gilbert in a nutshell you know the first couple of the first couple of times he in the story where he made advances towards her and she said no he was upset and he said fine okay but he didn't like punish her he just it, it wasn't the opposite of love and hate the opposite for him was just apathetic mm. he completely was apathetic towards and you're talking about canon here which, as opposed to the kind of like floating around canon, being yeah, a nice guy yeah, in, in this canon. story yeah being a nice guy with or without quotes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, in, in the canon, he just, that's how he handles the rejection. He just becomes apathetic. He doesn't get revenge. He doesn't try to win her back or anything like that, which obviously is probably why this person came up with fanfic. <laughs> but the more I was reading about this character, I got to tell you, the more concerned I was getting, I was getting more and more concerned about the author. <laughs> Because I'm like, can we have a, please sit down and have a conversation about what a healthy relationship looks like? I, I see. We're starting to sound a little bit twilight here. <laughs> I, I see your concern because in the first half, especially, I was kind of getting, there's some of the sort of like, oh, well, Gilbert needs to win Anne through, you know, oh. these heroic or, or this like really good like actions. It's like, have you earned this woman? You know, not yet, but maybe with a few oh, more gosh. really nice, you know. <laughs> actions or like generous gestures you will do we have no extra information about the author this time uh extra information i got nothing emmy peters um okay. is the author name they it's not like they talk about themselves in the author notes in particular so nope nothing no i didn't yeah i didn't see that either um and so you know there's there's a lot of concern about gilbert um because he frankly if one of my friends was dating a guy like this or if a guy like this was, was pursuing one of my friends i would be like watch out um run <laughs> not ever be in love with this guy and please get a restraining order i, I feel like this is not gonna go well I, I want to defend gilbert here just kind of instinctually <laughs> but 
everything uh-huh. that we've said is in the text of this story, so yeah. I really can't. Yeah. Objectively, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's, that's the thing. Gilbert is, you know, it's kind of like the whole Mr. Darcy thing. Uh-huh. Um, mm. Or Mr. Mr. Bingham, because he is, he's perfect. You know, he's, right. he loves Anne, in, in canon, he loves Anne for who she is and her free spirit and all these kinds of things. And with this, you know, she says no, and he's like, how dare you have an opinion? Nah, like, wait a minute. I don't think that's right. <laughs> I, I think we're stretching it a little bit, but there is certainly a lot more a attention bit, yeah. paid. He does appreciate all the things about um, Anne in the story oh, yeah. as well. There's a little bit more attention paid than in the original to how much he has the hots for her, specifically. I'm going to say. Yeah, it gets a little awkward <laughs> after a while. Like, okay, yeah, but we get I, it. I mean, part of it is just that, like, Ellen Montgomery was not going to talk about <laughs> men or women having any kind of sexual feelings. And the author does touch on Anne, you know, having them as well. But, like... Yeah. And, and that's part of the role of fan fiction, right? Honestly, the author was quite that's restrained. That's <laughs> But, it, so, like, one of the things that I did find that really, really was concerning that... I, I gotta tell you, for me, I was... Like I said, this is the first piece of fanfic I've ever read. Mm-hmm. And I'm reading it, understanding this is not the author. This is someone who's just, you know, she's, she's having fun. Yeah. And playing the story out. The problem is she lost me really hard, really fast. Because when she gets to the point where it says, um, Anne visibly slumped in relief. Then, then you're not angry with me, she asked hesitantly and perhaps a little warily. Really, she supposed there was no more, shoot, there was no, no one more entitled to a bit of anger than the spurned suitor, Anne thought. Spurned suitors were always reacting rather badly in books, weren't they? And presumably, those authors knew more about the matter than she. After all, considering this was her first experience with, a thi- with such a thing, her eyes widening as numerous scenarios began to play out in her active imagination, Anne unconsciously eyed the path beside them as if planning an escape should it be required. Yeah. So a couple of things. <laughs> first off, I, I get what the author's trying to do. What she's trying to do is show that Anne has a very vivid imagination, and it can go off the rails sometimes. Um, this sounds, though, less like the haunted woods or, you know, imagining that, you know, she's, she's making um, bandages or something for wounded soldiers and then forgetting to do some of her chores. This is, I, I mean, the subtext of this is, is he going to beat me? Yeah. Like, that, that was hard to avoid you know, the subtext of, and I don't, I don't think the author was necessarily intending that. I think that's just naivety right. on, the, on the author's part. Yeah. I would expect I'm so hoping, yeah. because I, yeah. the author was that, not so in, intending was to, Intending to go there, right. I think. Well, right, but the thing is, is Anne's fear for Gilbert, she had never been afraid of Gilbert, ever. And to have her have that kind of visceral reaction towards him, that that kind of ruined it for me. Because uh, from chapter the attraction one, with Gilbert, huh? From chapter one, the whole thing was ruined for you? Yeah, oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, after that, it was really, I mean, there's a, I, I admit, you know, and we'll get to it at the end. There were some things that I appreciated and I liked, mm-hmm. but the problem was with that, it, it didn't, it immediately didn't feel like Anne or Gilbert. And I, that, I don't know if that's normal for fans. Well, no, because <laughs> you know, it's, it's in their head. It's, it's interesting. I mean, it's normal for people to have their own interpretations of the characters. And I understand what you mean that like chapter one feels like right. the weakest part. It's abrupt. Yeah. It has to set up the way the author expects these characters to be. And that's like where the most 
you know, gap between like your original canon expectations and like the story yeah. happened, right? Yeah. Because after that, you can kind of move on from there. It kind of reads like you're supposed to close the book and start reading this. Or something, yeah. yeah. Right. But Right. And it, just, it did not feel like that at all. It felt like, it felt like Anne was a, very much a weaker version of herself, which for fans of Anne of Green Gable, like not a, diehard fans like me, there is something about Anne that, you know, it, she's, she's known for having a temper. She, the first time that she ever interacted with Gilbert, she smashed a, um, slate, a slate <laughs> on his head. It, it's noted. Yes. In the story. He grabbed, <laughs> yeah. Cause he grabbed her hair, which she was sensitive about. She has red hair. She's sensitive about it. He grabbed her hair and said, and whispered carrots. And she picked up her little chalkboard thing and broke it on his head. So that's Anne. <laughs> You know, kind of in a nutshell. And so to have her be like afraid that he's, that she needs to figure out how to make a quick escape. Like, wait a minute, where is this kind of coming from? And, you know, I, I, I understand, but it was just, that was such a, whoa, that, that's not either of them. Gilbert would never hurt her and would never lose his temper like that or react in that manner. And Anne would never be afraid of Gilbert. Well, I want to talk about so, one or two of the incidents further on, and I feel like there's one that felt very original flavor to me, and one in which yeah. Anne, Anne takes more of the lead. And I'm thinking of the whole thing with yeah. the Miller family and their visit to the Miller house in particular, where the mother's like been sick for a long time. Mm. And I really liked that. I liked it too. And for one thing, it's so Anne of Green Gables series to just have someone else in town with some problem, and to kind of like go off to the side and, <laughs> You're go off to the side and deal with that for a little while. It's like somewhat peripheral, but they're also using it to develop something. Like that's just very right. Ellen Montgomery. And in this case, mm-hmm. like they go in and you know the doctor's already there. Uh, like they go in because they see the lights right. on, they figure something must be worried. Mm-hmm. I also like they ditch the rest of like the young adults. Um, the you after know, party. Yeah, yeah. The, the after party adults. And I just love the reminders. It's very also in the flavor of this like Prince Edward Island and like this this series yeah. thing. That's like their social group is just this other bunch of people about their age. They don't have a choice in who they hang out with. They have to hang out with these people. No. It's like, that's the only game in town. <laughs> but anyway, what I'm saying yeah. is that they go in to see if they like they can help out because something's going to be wrong. You know, Gilbert takes the lead. There's this whole thing about trekking through the dark, whatever. But once they get there, what Anne sees that she can it, do to help is like take care of the kids. Right. And, and that absolutely, I loved that. It's I very fun. I really, really enjoyed that piece. Yeah. Because that, you're right, that did feel like Anne. And it, the thing that I appreciated with that was, yeah, and we are jumping around. I apologize. No, no. Well, I don't um, think we need to talk about everything that happens. So this is kind of like, this is like you. chapter four <laughs> and five or whatever. It's just like the next part I yeah. wanted to talk about. Yeah. I mean, well, what I really appreciated with it is that was the one piece that for me felt, it, it did. It, it felt like Anne. And it felt like the same style and the same mindset as the characters in the book because of the fact that the way that Gilbert looks at her while she's sitting there with the kid, that was, I, I didn't mark it down because I got to tell you, I, by that point, I'm just like, I got to get through this. <laughs> um, but it, it just, it felt right. And it was sweet. Um, it wasn't aggressive. It wasn't, you know, possessive or anything like that. It was just really sweet. And it just had this moment of catching him, kind of catching him off guard. And that did, that absolutely, I felt, felt like Anne and Gilbert's and L.M. Montgomery. Um, uh, so I, 
that I felt like that was really well done. I found that but quote, it just, but it's not short if we want to read it or not. It's kind of a lengthy I paragraph. <laughs> Basically, he's just like looking at her and admiring her way with children and imagining like that's how yeah. he would be with like her children, which I wish would be my children and that kind of thing. Uh, but also just yeah. sort of like, a, yeah. also just an appreciation for kind of like the beauty of the moment there. Um, exactly. And, it's, it's and also, that is very, yeah. It, it's also nice, I'm sure, in a story which is a, has a lot of Gilbert, like being a stand-up guy, very like, you know, reliable and like uh-huh. doing cool stuff. It's like one of the scenes where Anne takes the lead and Gilbert has no experience with children. And so he's, not that, yeah. not that he's terrible, he's kind of, but he has to follow her lead and he but doesn't, he, he yeah. Wouldn't, he wouldn't have any experience with kids. Right. He, he um, if I remember, I don't, I don't think he, I think he had like older siblings, but I think he was the youngest and he spent a good chunk of his childhood actually trying to help take care of his sick father. Right. So. Whereas Anne has parented many children at this point. Yeah. Yeah. This was like one of the few moments in the story where they had Gilbert not be already the best at what they're doing. Right. Yeah. Like there's a moment at the end where Gilbert wasn't performing the best, but even that's kind of was just a way to make Gilbert better later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. So so it felt better there where like Gilbert's the one who has the instinct to go help out in the house and who ha- takes the lead getting to the house and then once they get there Anne's the one right. who's kind of like the, the help the one who knows what she's doing and is capable. And so there's the back and right. forth that you don't get for a lot of the rest of the story. It's all just kind of forth. Right. <laughs> it, it feels very unbalanced for the most part. And one of the things that I love about about the char- the canon character Anne is she's very capable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah, she absolutely gets into as she calls it, gets into scrapes where she messes things up because she's not paying close attention. But she is incredibly intelligent. She's very calm, very level headed when there's something going wrong. Um, so in in the canon, you know, in the book, there's a, a part where, which you know, jumping back to the whole chapter with the pond. Um, when Anne was, I want to say like 13, she and some of her girlfriends were playing, um, oh, what was it? At the t- Lily Maid. Yeah, the Tennyson poem. Yes, yes. And Did you read that chapter specifically? Was, well, I figured that'd be give context for the uh, Gilbert um, and the relationship. Pond. Water incident. Oh, Gilbert and relationship, sure. Yeah. 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 And the thing is, is, what I really loved about that chapter um, is the fact that she completely stays calm because she has to <laughs> historically in that time period, they have to stay calm. Um, if you've ever read the book, Caddy Woodlawn, one of the, there's an incident where um, Caddy, you know, it was like 1860 in Wisconsin and Caddy is ice skating and she falls through the ice. And it talks about how the farm kids then they didn't have time to run to an, for an adult. They didn't have time to call anybody for help. They had to think fast or someone would die. And that's the thing. Anne had to be like that. And she would have especially have had to have been like that because of how she was raised in, in homes where it she had to be on her toes the whole time. She has some pretty serious PTSD. <laughs> let's be honest. So on top of like, you know, yes, it's Anne of Avonlea. It's also Anne of ADHD. Um, <laughs> maybe, maybe a little bit of Anne of serious... Um, mood swings but she would have she had to have been capable um so it it totally made sense to me and it did it felt like Anne because yeah gilbert 
would not really have known totally what to do. He would have been great with the kids. But Anne came in and was like, all right, we're going to put the kids to bed. And understanding that nurturing and that comfort and what they, what they needed was just to feel safe. And I, I, I really appreciated that. Hmm. Well, there's a lot of stuff leading up to kind of the end sequences. Mm-hmm. Is there anything kind of else in the middle of the fanfic we want to talk about specifically? I think there's a lot of just like Gilbert proving he's a cool dude and then like <laughs> hanging out together and then Gilbert being like giving her a meaningful look or something like indicating mm-hmm. romance and she's like, eh, doesn't respond. Well, they have several um, shoujo manga trope moments in the in the meantime. Oh yeah, I guess so. We're like, uh, I couldn't forget this guy's name, Gilbert. Gilbert. Yeah, yeah and, yes. and accidentally comes up like surprises Gilbert with his shirt off while he's washing. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's way steamier than anything in Helen Montgomery. And at one point, well, Aunt, well, I mean, let's take a moment and be honest. He did see her ankle. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> and also at one point, yeah, uh, they were practically married. Anne is scared of the, of the lightning, so Gilbert holds Anne in the rippling arms and comforts mm. them. <laughs> so, which I, I've read that scene in many, many different shoujo mangas a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Okay, there is a lot of the dialogue that... Have you guys ever seen um, the movie Throw Mama from the Train? Yeah. No. (laughs) Doms, make sure this is remedied. (laughs) He has to see it. (laughs) The premise of it is there's an author, and he's teaching a um, community college creative writing class. And one of the funniest pieces in the entire movie is when it comes up to... it, It shows a scene of his students reading their their stories and it's just so bad <laughs> um there's i'm trying to i'm sorry i'm trying really hard quickly to find it online um the whole the, movie <laughs> yeah absolutely i'm gonna recite it for you guys so just give me one sec you're gonna have to edit this out scene so. one exterior shot <laughs> <laughs> the night was the night was the night was poultry um that one was that was that was pretty good but it had the weirdest there's a lot of repetition um like yes gilbert said yes i'm glad you came man oh gilbert you know it's just it was it felt i I gotta find this okay i'm adhd over here you guys go (laughs) yeah we can talk about the writing in general it's fairly competent it's it's like not what i would call pastiche it doesn't sound like lm montgomery but the author is yeah. very much trying to stay in that kind of rhythm, rhythm least. and zone yeah. in terms of like, kind of the amount of, the amount of description and kind of like the flow of the story. It's, um, I feel like, it's not really writing related, but the general flavor of, um, of Prince Edward Island and the setting came across really well. I thought, yeah, maybe absolutely. with a little, maybe I... with a little bit less attention paid to the beauty of the scenery. But that's just because yeah. Ellen Montgomery paid a lot of attention to that. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. And that's the thing. Montgomery goes and she spends a lot of time on description. Um, she's definitely more flowery than, like, say, Tolkien, mm. who, wow. I mean, you know. You know exactly what everything looks like. Yeah, we got, I got bogged <laughs> uh, down in a kid in Return of the King because, like, the, the initial descriptions of areas just started getting too long. <laughs> You skip her, you start to skip around a little bit, but um, yeah, it's just I don't I don't know. It after a while, it just started to feel kind of teenage angsty, mm-hmm. 
to the point where it's like, okay, you know what? If I wanted to deal with this, I would leave weird comments on someone's Instagram feed and just kind of watch it, watch the show. Um, That's why I was wondering if we had any info on the author and what time in their lives they wrote this. Nothing that I, that I know of. I I tried to contact them, but they don't have like messaging enabled on fanfiction.net. And that's the only place I can find a contact thing. A lot of time with the fanfiction, it's done by uh, people that they're developing and they like express their their thoughts and their concepts of, of what you know developing through that part of their life should be or mm-hmm. want to be or could be and this kind of seems like working through some of those I- ideals i think yeah it does right. feel like that kind of exploration and um the author i've got to say a lot the comments are very positive it's like a lot of people mm-hmm. enjoying this which means it, which means that a lot of Anne fans wanted to see more kind of Anne and Gilbert, like, back and forth, that romance, like, as adults fleshed out. I got, I got a question. Yeah. Is the is an Anne fan just a fan, but spelled with two N's and an E? Fan with an E, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it just, you can hear it when you say it. Fan, so. yeah. <laughs> um, and one of the things I mentioned earlier, this is very fanfiction.net in some ways. One of those things is the author comments at the end, just kind of checking in with the readers, being like, people still reading this? People enjoying this? Like, please, please leave comments. I'll, I'm going to keep writing it if people are still reading it. Yeah. I've seen much kind of more cringy things. Honestly, in this story, it's very, like, underdone mm-hmm. compared to, like, some yeah. old school fanfiction.net stories I've read. Yeah. Uh, but that, that's just yeah. part of the thing, kind of like that writing in communication with the readers and kind of very much in touch with them and what they're reading for. Yeah, when we last had our fan fiction author on, they kind of expressed that the author's notes at the end was like a desperate attempt to like start a rapport with the community in order for some validation. I mean, yeah. Okay. Well, that's just like, you want you want to make sure they're not shouting into the void, right? In yeah. any creative inve- endeavor. Yeah. I totally get it. Yeah. Because like, especially early on in this podcast, I was like checking all the time to be like, is anyone actually <laughs> downloading these episodes? Are we just shouting into the void? Yeah. Right. <laughs> and we are yeah, now... You guys got me in trouble. Not in trouble, but you, you guys made me look really awesome at, at work because I was listening to your, um, your Alice in Wonderland one. Oh, yeah. And I don't remember what it was that was being said, but I'm sitting there in a law office looking at spreadsheets from people who have filed for bankruptcy for medical expenses. And I am laughing. <laughs> See, that, that's so, a, thank you. I don't think they're going to be having me back anytime soon. <laughs> that's a rookie mistake. You can't listen to a comedy podcast in a silent environment. <laughs> <laughs> are we a like, comedy so podcast now? Like, are we really? Well, some parts of it are funny. Whether that's on purpose or not is uh, <laughs> up for debate. <laughs> Let's say it's like all intentional. It. Exactly. It's all intentional. Yeah. It, it's all scripted. We've been rehearsing for days, okay? <laughs> it's, it's pretty bad. So oh, so I found, I found what I wanted to, to talk about with the dialogue and just kind of the, the thing with the author. Um, in the movie Throw Mama from the Train, someone's reading their creative writing story to the class. Die! Die! Yelled the captain through the thing. So the man who makes it die pressed a button or something, and it dove, and the enemy was foiled again. Looks like we foiled them again, said Dave. Yes, said the captain. We foiled those bastards again, didn't we, Dave? Yes, said Dave. The end. It, it kind of had that. I, I think you are being pretty harsh on the author it. here. I think so, I, yeah. I, I, I agree. I don't think... I am. I'm mean. It, it's... it's <laughs> But we, we try to be kind, except when, I guess, we have you on as a guest. <laughs> um, but yeah, on average, I thought the writing was actually, like, not a problem. I thought it didn't jump out yeah. as, like, a 
something that threw me from the story. Some things threw me from the story, but it wasn't the writing yeah. in general. Yeah. Like, I think yeah. if, you're, and, and if you're coming I to think... this as your first fanfic, you know. Yeah. Right. You're not used to the amateur writing. I mean... To... Yeah. Um, that's, that's the thing. I mean, considering the fact that, first off, it's 20 chapters. Right. It's a pretty serious chunk of writing. And, I, you know, I've done my own writing. Mm-hmm. And it's hard. It's really, really difficult. And... I absolutely, I have a lot of respect for this author. This was... Because she really put a lot of thought into it. She put a lot of heart into it. And, and overall, it... I did enjoy the story. There were things that were kind of, you know, domestic abuse, red flags. <laughs> and there was a couple of moments where it felt less like Anne being Anne and more like, look, I'm quirky. And that was a little, <laughs> you know, but also Ellen Montgomery is known for doing that as well. Talking about the, no. the writing a little bit, I don't look at the chapters because I don't think that matters. I look at the word count. No. And this is about 50,000 words. And no, looking it's a at this. Big chunk. I don't think I quite realized until just now that it was written in the span of two months and another week and a half or so. Hmm. The, it was first published December 13th, 2004, updated February 25th, 2005. How much do they yeah. ask you to write for NaNoWriMo? I can't remember. Like Where's Tori? <laughs> two thousand words a day. So it's not quite Something that like level, that. but like That's it's what a, Stephen King recommends, anyways. <laughs> it's a pretty decent chunk in a pretty yeah. short span of time, which I yeah. imagine helped it stay as cohesive as it was. Because I I know there's right. other stories where it's like you know the author sets it aside, drags himself back for a month or whatever, and yeah. it's like in a month <laughs> and it's like oh, I had a hard time getting this chapter out, but here's a chapter or whatever. Um, yeah, it's a good pace. What I really appreciate is the fact that I'm assuming that there's very little editing to oh, this. I, I, I read this. I can practically guarantee you there was no editing. I, I mean, sorry, no external editing. I imagine the author yeah. did like read it over once before posting it, but like, right. um, and, right. it, and it would be and very that, unusual to go back and change it afterwards. Admirable. Yeah. That was very admirable. I mean, as, as far as just raw talent, I, I really feel like this author does have, so she's got some chops to her. I was really impressed. Um, my my issues with it again were more of okay, it didn't it, it it wasn't even this person's interpretation of of Anne and Gilbert. It felt wrong. It just straight up felt abrasive mm-hmm. to the and maybe that's maybe that is because of how I see Gilbert and and Anne. Maybe that's me having an opinion different from everyone else. Um, Maybe this wasn't out of context. Maybe it was just me. I don't know. <laughs> but otherwise, I really feel like she put a lot of thought into this story. Um, the fact that, I mean, I, I couldn't have done this. I, I try to do the the writing thing. And after 20 minutes, I'm like, hey, look, a puppy. And, you know, suddenly I've bought too many Skittles. So, oh, none of us no, have talk- sit, sat down and written anything worth talking about of like any real length, I feel like. And so that, that makes us totally qualified to complain about other people's writing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You, you know what I they say. I couldn't do this. Yeah, those that can't podcast. Yeah. <laughs> we just sit and complain about it. But, you know, that was, that was the thing. And, you know, I don't know. I, I didn't look. I didn't. Did she publish other, other stories? You know, looking back at this, I had been thinking about the author as being like someone who wrote a couple stories in 2004, 2005, and was now out of touch because I couldn't, like, they don't have messaging enabled, like I said. But mm-hmm. I just I just saw they wrote a story last year. There's, like, this gap between 2005 and 2019 
this like 14 year gap and then they have another story posted on the same site hmm. for wow. win, for when calls the heart whatever that is when calls huh. the heart is that like a tv show apparently it has seasons I've, I've never heard of it <laughs> But, uh, and I've got I to mean, say, that's, that's incredibly impressive. Uh, it's that's it's really interesting, impressive. actually. I you don't see people come back to their like fanfiction.net account fourteen years later. That's not something I've seen before. Uh, quick Google says, "When Calls the Heart" is an American Canadian television series. Huh, interesting. Okay, if it's not Father Ted, I have no idea. <laughs> so oh. is it is it related to Degrassi? Um, that's my only context for seasons of Canadian television you know maybe this person just likes stories that are set in canadia i mean they might be canadian i don't know some people are because we've had canadian guests before i'm looking at (laughs) some pictures of when calls the heart and there's a person dressed up as a mountie so i think this takes place in canada also there you go well is epcot (laughs) right (laughs) exactly is the andy griffith show set in canada because that's the other thing they wrote a story about Oddly no, enough, mm. I, I don't think I don't think the Andy Griffith story is in Canada, but um, I'm fascinated by the fact yeah. this author has written fan fiction for Anne of Green Gables and the Andy Griffith Show. Like, those are not big fandoms. I'm just throwing that those out there. Those are really specific. Those <laughs> <laughs> are incredibly specific. I mean, it's not even like the same. I guess it's wholesome something, but that's like not even a a genre that kind of goes together, is it? Uh, and Wind Calls the Heart, so oh, I don't know. Wind Calls the Heart, by the way, takes place in a, I think, 1910 coal town in Canada. Oh, so there's a there's a okay, connection. So, yeah. that, so it's that also period. It's also period, yeah. Period yeah, Canada. Okay. okay. Interesting. I got that. I gotcha. But, yeah, I mean, considering... Yeah, and, and that's the thing, like, I'm... It's my first piece of fanfic, and it's the first time I'm reading anything fanfic other than what I read on, like, Imager where people are coming up with, okay, I'm taking this as canon. Um, you know, that's that's about the extent of it. I've never read it before. And so I'm reading it like it's it's part of the story. The series, right. And You're reading it like it's another yeah. Anne Green Gables book. Well, I think that's also, you're, you kind of want to because the author is trying so hard to yeah, keep it kind of... Yeah, she's trying so hard. Th- there's, there's, you know, this sort of thing... Instead of fan fiction, there's this term transformative works that I feel like came up, you know, okay. relatively relatively recently on this podcast. Two again. episodes ago. Two yeah. episodes ago, and like, okay, explain it, explain it to the idiot in the room. Well, no, it's just like taking like, taking a source material and making something new out of it. So like, fan art would be transformative work, or making a you know fan okay. movie or a, a music video splicing together anime footage. In, That's all transformative work. In context, we're talking it's about more of an inspiration as opposed to a con- well, no, no, continuation. Well, no, no, fan fiction is also transformative work. Yeah, in context, but, we're talking about right. a uh, fanfic that sets the uh, story in a different genre than the original work. It's very, it's actually very, very common for a fanfic to go really off the rails. I don't mean in a bad way. I just mean like take something in a very different genre direction or content direction, which is why it's a little bit surprising to go to a story that is kind of redoing a canon romance in a very canon-esque way. I mean, not saying it's yeah. not not saying it's like compatible with canon or like that you know you don't have can't have complaints about the characterization. That was, that was but the like, goal. but but yeah, the goal was definitely like not to revolutionize the content of Anne of Green Gables or like the setting or even the character you know, the the general character dynamics. And so it's like alternate universe. And, and so that makes you want to nitpick, right? Because it's like, oh, you are taking the Anne and the Gilbert characters and taking their romance, which already exists, and you're doing something with those very specific, already established things, mm-hmm. rather than right. going off and doing, like, 
uh, I'm doing Gilbert and Ruby Gillis and doing a romance with them, and that's totally new ground, and, like, whatever I do is going to be, like, totally groundbreaking, right? Right. Right. Or, or going into the whole thing of how um, women were, and their friendships were, were viewed back in that time period versus, you know, just with, with the way that uh, female sexuality was viewed um, during that time, it was, yeah. And that's the thing I, I, I actually, one of my friends, um, she did a lot of research on that because she wrote her thesis about uh, women who were convicted of murder in the 1800s and how the media portrayed them hmm. and how various aspects of some of these crimes that were committed she talks okay sorry totally going off the rails here. she <laughs> talks specifically about a uh, a woman named alice mitchell who in the early 1890s went up walked up to her ex-girlfriend in the middle of the street and killed her and that was the first time that they had had something of that caliber happened because of the fact that back before um before that happened male homosexuality was viewed as like a deviant you know it was mm -hmm. not okay but women being familiar with each other like in the way that Anne and diana are was seen as them being chums and this whole thing with alice mitchell went and changed it so that they realized that this is you know might be something different. They may not just be close friends. There may actually be a romantic interest here. So that was kind of interesting. Um, after she and I talked about that, to go back and reread it, and that would be an. I mean, that really would be an interesting area to explore. Well, I had no idea that Dennis fans. the Menace's mother had such a dark backstory. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Ash, is this your uh, right? sneaky way to try to turn this into a true crime podcast? Oh, sweetie, if I'd wanted to do that. I mean, I already, I've been sitting here talking about domestic violence, about coercive control, about, you know, there's a lot of gaslighting. We would um, be so much more know. popular if we were a true crime podcast, though. You should have me on more often. Well, speaking of views of female sexuality, I want to, that just reminded me of a part in this fanfic that I liked that kind of came out of nowhere, mm -hmm. where later on, at one point, Gilbert drops by Green Gables. He does that a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Marilla greets him, and Marilla first has that the moment hockey. where she's where she <laughs> Marilla first has that moment where she's like, Gilbert's a good kid, and I kinda hope those two hook up. But then she has another moment where she's like, But I'm not gonna pressure Anne in the slightest to get married. Like I never did, and everybody's always like, Oh, being a spinstress is like the worst fate, but really, like it's it's fine, it's cool. Like I, I appreciate my like independent yeah. life. Yeah. And I was like, Yeah, Marilla. <laughs> That's <laughs> you, awesome. You, you kinda know. have a cool life, you yeah. Do. Yeah. <laughs> You do you, Marilla. And I, I did appreciate that. Um, and, and quite honestly, like the, the one the one historical thing that really bugged me was the fact that at the end, when, spoiler alert, they do get engaged, mm. before that, they had already kissed. And that was such a no-no <laughs> at that time period. I mean, obviously things happened well, and what? people got pregnant and stuff happened, but I mean, that just, it wasn't done. But wait, wait, they, they um, kiss and then they immediately get engaged. That's the point of that it, scene. It's the same scene. No, when she was crying, <laughs> when she was like crying against the, the oak tree or something like that. I think they, I don't, I don't remember. Oh, there was a, it's late. There was a part before that, <laughs> after Gilbert got Anne the toy where Anne caught up with Gilbert and like kissed him on the cheek. That's kissing on the cheek. Yeah. Or yeah. on the jaw. Um, they said. <laughs> on the manly square jaw. Yeah. <laughs> His handsomely chiseled jaw that, you know, made her think unholy thoughts about his ankles. 
Um, but I mean, that's the thing that they were, you know, it was, it, it was very, what's the word? Mata, what's the word? Come on, Mata, what's the word? What's the word? Uh, <laughs> um, controlled. Like, like true, repressed. but, um, yeah, well, I mean, it was, it was, it was repressed. Um, I don't know. Puritan. It was a very, uh, Puritan mm-hmm. time frame. You know, they talked about, um, in canon in the book, they talked about, uh, one of the girls that was going to school who was 16 and she wore her hair up. I mean, <laughs> wow. She just, we don't even talk about her. We don't look at her because wow. I was rereading just, part of the book and they did talk about a girl that wore her hair up in town, but had to take it back down. So the mom didn't Ruby see when it got back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And how she was planning on wearing her skirts long because, you know, and it's just there, they had such Victorian, you know, it was, was, you know, they had such Victorian ideas about modesty and about the way things were done. It was all about, um, you know, chastity and that sort of thing. Like you would not like, like with, with uh, Fred and Diana, they were hanging out like in a field, you know, they would (laughs) not have gone and, you know, been alone unsupervised away from prying eyes that just it wasn't done well i I like i think that worked fine this story where they spend a lot of time building up the sexual tension especially on the part of gilbert but also some on Anne. and then last chapter you know Anne kind of de facto proposes to him but she can't actually directly propose because it's you know that period so she has to to be like if you propose to me again i would give a different answer and anyway then they all make it then they make out for like a long time for the yeah <laughs> for the rest of the chapter and there is that yeah, line oh, at the end where she she asks because it was not confirmed like are we engaged and gilbert says um anna surely any I'm girl i've spent the, i spent the last 10 minutes kissing well let's just say we'd better be engaged gilbert grinned down at <laughs> <with> her <laughs> so so yeah that's that it it's like, like that is the engagement is that Ma- yeah. making out is the engagement that was, is that that's a yes so gilbert <laughs> That's backwards well, because but, but that's okay in, because they're it's trying to show the you know no it's trying to show the passion that they have for each other <laughs> yeah and then it's okay. it's not that they're going about it scandalously I mean you know it's not scandalous if you get engaged at the end of the makeout session and that's as far as they go anyway yeah. they don't get second base here like it's okay well second base you mean did he see her wrist <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. Is this book actually for children or not? So. Uh, well, let's see. It has a PG plus rating, which is just non-rated, hmm. I think. The author well, mentioned then. their notes at some point is that the last chapter was the most PG rated. Well, yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> which is not a term I've heard anywhere before. <laughs> the most PG rated rest is all like R. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Well, the, the thing I really, really appreciate it, though, is the fact that she did totally delve into the fact that Anne's traumatized. Oh, yeah, yeah. We should probably get to that because it's kind of a big huge. deal. In this. It's a huge deal. Yeah. So one of the things, you know, earlier I know I said we don't talk about Anne's but with an E on, on Netflix um, <laughs> because I, I felt like those characters were also really off um there's some stuff with marilla and there was just some things that were concerning but one of the things that it brought up that i had never actually considered before in reading the anna green gables stories 
is the fact that Anne was raised in extremely neglectful and abusive homes. Mm -hmm. And that had, I mean, the story, the the, the canon story starts out with her thinking that she's been adopted and how joyous that is, how wonderful that is. And then finding out, oh, they don't want her. That's traumatizing for anybody, but for the fact that this, this is a child who has spent, he was very sensitive. She's very sweet. She's very empathetic and no one cares. No one up until this point has cared about what happens to her. And there's a lot of things in the, the, the stories by Montgomery where it seems weird until you think about it, considering the fact that she was abused and traumatized as a child. And but actually, I the- oh, I, no, I was just going to say, this author is a lot more interested in exploring that than Montgomery was, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's well, she, actually, she just full-blown addresses it, and it's yeah. really well done. Yeah, it, it happens, it comes up more than once and not, like, in a single overdramatic way or whatever, like, through the story. Like, I think yeah. the first time you really get it is her really dramatic reaction to, not dramatic reaction, but, like, um, blowing up yeah at at the understandable reaction at the idea that like the two kids that she had looked you know she and gilbert had looked after at that house their mother dies and yeah. the town's like well i guess we're gonna have to, gonna have to send them to the orphanage mm-hmm. and Anne's very upset about that and pushes for like more searching for family which pans out because it's happy prince edward island montgomery town where like things tend to yes. work out like that um miraculously but i mean she has a visceral reaction to it like she gets I mean, she, it's personal for her. Yeah, and, and she it's tries to explain personal. later to Gilbert, of course, just like, you don't get how bad being in an orphanage is. Like, none, yeah. nobody nobody else understands that. And like, it's yeah. really, and you know, that's what kind of leads into the later in the story, her kind of talking about some of her experiences. And there's one particular trauma that they come back to because it's given as the origin of her being afraid of thunderstorms. And it's kind yeah. of a, it's like not, I don't feel like it's an overdone horror like it's not shock value terrible, but like it feels yeah, it's very like, genuine. But yeah, it feels like really like yeah, that that sounds like a really sucky traumatic experience to have as a little kid. Yeah, yeah. And one of the things that kind of broke my heart when I was um, reading about the author in um, in the end of Green Gable story, she talks about her imaginary and talks about her imaginary friend Katie Maurice. And I think Kate and Maurice was the one who lived in this glass in the curio cabinet. Does that sound right? Uh, I don't remember this at all. Yeah. So she, she talked when she was telling Marilla about her background, um, she talked about one of the places that she lived. They, she had an imaginary friend named Katie Maurice who lives in this magical land, kind of Alice in Wonderland esque, um, inside the, uh, a curio cabinet with a, you know, a glass panel on it. And she would sit and she would talk to Katie Maurice. And that was her only friend. And when she had to leave that family, she had, she didn't, the only person she had to say goodbye to was this imaginary friend who lived in the curio cabinet. And that was really sad reading it, but finding out that Katie Maurice was actually Ella Montgomery's imaginary friend growing up for the exact same reason. Oh. And so there's a lot. What I really loved about the fact that the author of the fanfic approached this is that there's a lot of Anne in the canon stories that Montgomery wrote that have to do with 
um, she went by Maude, it, um, Maude's own childhood and upbringing. Her, her, her mother died when she was about two years old. Her father dropped her off with her maternal grandparents. And her maternal grandparents were basically like Matthew and Marilla. They were old. They were incredibly like rigid. She didn't have any kids that lived nearby. And when she was, I think she was like 15 or 16, her dad got remarried and she went to go live with her father and her new stepmother and their baby. And she only stayed there a year because the stepmother didn't want her. Mm. Lot. This is, and it's this, rough. you know, she yeah. she says that she says that Anne of Green Gables wasn't bi- autobiographical, but there's a lot about it, and that was kind of one of the things I really appreciated with the original Anne stories was there is that undertone there, and it's a really serious thing, and there's a lot of Anne's behavior and her her terror of making mistakes, and that sort of thing that really isn't addressed because it just wouldn't have been addressed at the time. But this author really hits it head on. Like she just tackles it. And that's a, that's a brave thing to do. Yeah. She does it very, very well. She does it very well. And I really appreciated Gilbert understanding and looking at Anne's behavior and some of Anne's quirks and understanding that it came from her desire for stability and to be loved. I thought that was very, as, as hard as the first chapter was, I felt that that part was very, it was very well done. I was incredibly impressed with it. Um, she did, a, a, she, I feel like she did a phenomenal job addressing that because that's not an easy subject to address in general. Yeah, and I tend to agree. It's taken seriously, but it's not overdone. And it's, no. it's part of the plot that she's trying to tell because it's both a way of her kind of getting closer to Gilbert and a way of showing that, like, she's kind of dealing a little bit with this childhood trauma that is encouraging her to kind of, like, cling to childhood. Uh, cling to, yeah. like, this, this childhood state that she, you know, did not get to have as a kid, which is part of that right. thing we talked about earlier on. It, it right. kind of all fits together pretty nicely, and it it does feel a little strange thinking back that that's not really content that was there in the original stories. Cause it like feels like it should have no. been or it, it feels, been. And feels like it is. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. And, and, and that's the thing. Like when you start, when you read, read, when you read Anne of Green Gables by, you know, the, the original, and if you read it with that in mind, keeping in mind that these really awful things happen to this girl, it changes a lot of the things that, are talked about with with Anne, with how she loves people and how she handles things. It's it's less of okay, she's a little you know a little odd, and more like oh, you poor heartbroken thing. Mm-hmm. And the funny that what I what I really appreciated was the fact that as kind of as kind of abrasively painful as that first chapter was, I was blown away by how well that whole part was written i when i was reading that i forgot that this was fanfic this seemed absolutely plausible to me i bought it hook line sinker this i'm like i completely accepted it yeah i agree and it was really really well done and i i absolutely applaud the author for for tackling that That, like i said not an easy subject to approach um she did it in a very sensitive way and I loved it. I really, really enjoyed it. And I, I kind of feel, so had, had it just been 
a story about Anne dealing with some of her childhood trauma, I would have, I would have loved it. Um, as opposed to throwing in the, it felt <laughs> gratuitous uh, romance thing. And I understand it was written as a romance, but I mean, she really touched on something there. Yeah. I, I feel like the romance parts tend to be weaker. They're not, they're not yeah. universally weak, mm -hmm. but like, for example, if we're talking about the conclusion of the story, there's this whole deal with like some asshole, like villainous, you know, seducer, rich oh, guy gosh, set I up. Oh gosh, that he was in that at all. It's, <laughs> it's not great. Like, it's just kind of like, who out. can we put in this story to create some drama? And how can we engineer it to create some like melodrama? So th this isn't a canon character. This is OC. <laughs> no. Original OC, Do Not Steal. Yes, clearly the author just loved this character so much because, you know, they, they paint them so well and they overshadow all the other original characters and how awesome they are. So yeah. the last part no. of the fanfic is a bit of a, well, I'll put it bluntly. It's, it. it's a, it's a Hallmark movie. Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. And so this is the guy who's just like so terrible. So Gilbert's father's farm needs to be remortgaged or something, mm -hmm. but they can't get a loan from the bank. So Anne talks to the person at the bank who is this upstart, uh, um heir to the bank fortune who's been sent out to the boondocks to earn their way up. And yeah, he's a rich fraternity guy. And their name is Arthur Nathaniel Richardson III, <laughs> who immediately <laughs> takes a skeezy liking to Anne and Anne tries to see if they can help with do the, the loan, mortgage. With the mortgage with the loan situation. For some reason. She didn't think that went out very much either, no. And uh, and Artie Nathie Richard uh, decided to uh, use this to skeeve <laughs> And said, like, you know, if you give us a character reference outside of the bank. Uh. Like at the dance that's yeah. happening. And then There's afterwards. There's a lot of happening. Yeah. <laughs> like, can we just talk about that? They keep the party, you know? <laughs> like, we have a ball. Okay, great. There's a lot of balls. There's a lot of. Anyways. I think that's where the story happens. I don't think that we talk about the hundreds of days in between where they just milk the cows. It's like Buffy. Everything just happens at the same youth nightclub that they have on Prince Edward Island. Oh, in the like, in, you know, <laughs> the late nine, 1800s. Yeah. The, the, there's, keep on finding vampires of the bronze. I would read that Anne of Green Gables fanfic, yes. Oh my god, yeah. Women empowerment, yeah. Uh, just, just make Anna Slayer done. I'm going to read this story. Done, done. Write it, please. <laughs> Take that um, all. It doesn't even conflict we, with canon. Take that all the way to the <laughs> bank to Arthur Nathaniel Richardson the <laughs> third. Well, that guy would be a vampire. Yeah, like, I mean, <laughs> he would be staked by the end of the he'd episode. He'd be an old vampire lord, <laughs> uh, masquerading as a young heir. Yeah. Well, I'm yeah. sorry. Anyone who has the third added to their name, you know, first off that I mean, this this guy's pure diagnostic evil. I mean, I was going through our family tree, mm -hmm. and um, when I came across Mr. <laughs> Butts the third, <laughs> the third Butts. His name was Richard Butts, the third, mm. which I was like, his name's Dick Butts. Yeah. Three whole generations yeah. went with that. <laughs> you know what's a good idea? That's why it's three times. And his brother, Harold, and I'm not making this up. We are the proud descendants of Dick Butts. And Harry Butts. <laughs> and a Harry Butts. He had a brother named Harry Butts. Wow. And I, I just, I love it. So anyways. But anyone anyone uh, with the third... <laughs> So Art, Artie the Third asks Anne out to the to the ball for a character reference, character witness, and then at the same time Gilbert asks Anne to go to the ball, and Anne says, "No, I'm going with somebody." And K shock, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's a mm -hmm. very shoujo or and Hallmark he's all hurt. Channel. Oh, it's it's really like and he's hurt and he's gruff about it, and they still show up and like yeah. Arthur is a 
does the Hallmark Man movie thing. <laughs> Saves Anne from sexual peril of, like, yeah. this guy being, you know, posy. And, like, it's just... It's it kind of a blunt instrument of a romance plot, isn't it? It's Hallmark movie. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Gilbert shows up in his flannel shirt with his with his child that he had with his, you know, his late wife. With his previous his wife, retriever. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it convinces Anne to quit her job in the big city and move out to the country. No, wait, they're already in the country. Because that's what really matters. It's family. <laughs> it's family and Christian values and white Christian values, yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. And then it was Christmas. So, and they've discovered the true meaning of, of, um, of uh, oh, I don't even know. I can't. I just can't. Well, what, did they even, what did they even celebrate back then? Who knows? <laughs> can't yeah. have been Christmas. So that was the big conflict that at the end, um, Gil uses that uses the present of the Nutcracker, I think, from which was yeah. something Anne ch- talked about her childhood. Right, like a, a present that she didn't get that she wanted when she was like passed over as like. Because she wasn't really a child of one of the families she was with. Like, yeah. you know, they didn't think of her that way. Yeah. She didn't get a present for Christmas. So, it's so very sad. Gilbert gives Anne that and they make up. Then it's it, also a very Hallmark Christmas movie, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Oh, fucking yeah. Nutcracker? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, also just like this. You know, in I my get childhood, it. I really, really wanted a tennis bracelet. And I never yeah. got one. <laughs> I just have not bought one on eBay like anybody else would at I this point. I just wanted pounds of 99% purity gold. And it just... <laughs> Santa just passed over our house every year. Did not year, deliver. You know? I know. I know. It was what I really sad. wanted as a kid was a, was a bunch of Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're reaching that point, right, in generations? Just about. Yeah. Yeah. And then that part leads right into the, the, the hot makeout. Yeah, and then they get engaged. Like, I know, it's really crazy. This author decided to have Anne and Gilbert get engaged, like... Just just went totally off the rails in Anne of Green Gables sh- continuity. I bet that sent uh, shockwaves in the fan community. You know, that, that parent. It's a controversial ship. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, what I really appreciated was the fact that they're taking this walk and Anne's like, do you remember what happened here, Gilbert? And basically, <laughs> the context of it is, is, do you remember what happened here? I rejected you. Right here. <laughs> do you that one of the worst <laughs> moments of your you life? Well, because then she says, I would give a different answer now. I think yeah. it's... I, I think I it's clever. That, but don't start with that. <laughs> I, I did what? actually like that. That was a fun way to write that. Yeah. yeah. And and yeah. it gets and gets at the things that you were talking about where like the very social conventions, like I said, where she cannot engage to him. That is not a thing that is done. Yeah. But she can leave oh, herself yeah. wide open for an engagement. Yeah. Up to and including like propose to me again. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> well, you know, she is a modern woman. Right. Um, she, okay. The stocking feet. When she goes, when she goes to get the flowers from the island, she takes off her shoes, but she leaves on her socks. Oh yeah. And then wades through the water. Wet socks. I can't. I am a really complicated Starbucks order and a pair of Ugg boots away from not being able to even. With I, that, I, just, <laughs> I completely blocked that out. You just can't even? I cannot even. Oh my god, I can't even. Like, seriously? Like, it was just like, I'm sitting there like, oh my gosh. And I'm like, I have to Instagram this. And <laughs> I'll stop. <laughs> but when she did that, I'm like, okay, she had the wherewithal to take off her shoes. But she left her socks on. What? I, it, 
<laughs> I mean, I was also imagining in that scene just how incredibly uncomfortable that must have felt. Right. But in terms of events in the story, we've we've talked about the beginning and we've talked about the end and we've talked about some things in between. We've and I think that there is a middle. <laughs> right. We have we've vaguely addressed, made a few half-hearted stabs at the middle. Yeah. And so I think we're going to try to wrap up our talk. And usually we go with things that we didn't like and then things that we did like mm-hmm. to finish things up. Right. And I feel okay. like this whole conversation, we've been bouncing wildly back and forth between <laughs> things we did not like and things we did like with very little neutral stuff in between. Uh, so, I'm not, yeah. so I don't think we need to recover old ground too much. But is there anything we want to highlight as stuff we did not appreciate about this story? Um, there's a couple parts that just seem to be rehashing from the book. I know it's weird for me to say it because yeah. I didn't read through all the book, but... <laughs> but you could tell. But that one, was a lot. One of the parts in the middle, when they were having a bunch of, like, Anne Gilbert vignettes, like, um, Anne's making Gilbert some lunch every day, and Anne, Anne gives Gilbert some, some lemonade, but forgets to put sugar in it. Oh, yeah, that's straight out of, like, the first book. That's the, that's the cake story, right? Yeah. 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 And, and there's also a story in one of the other ones where she, they, they all put sugar in peas. And I'm pretty sure that they're all just possessed by Satan. So, well, uh, And that waiting in the water thing, explicitly they keep comparing it to the other event in the boat that you talked about from also the first book. Yeah. And so right. you're right. Those things worked less well than things like the... Um, the sick family and the house help where it's like that's very yeah. reminiscent of the kinds of things that happen it's like but it's not like a callback to a thing that happened yeah in the books yeah and and that's that's the thing my my chief complaint with it was the fact that it it there were parts that felt when she was trying really really hard to make it seem Anne. it just got forced and it got campy hmm. um to have gilbert be this knight in shining armor and and being this damsel in distress that, that, that bothered me. Cause that I felt was against Anne as a character and as, as her a personality. Um, so that's, that's my chief complaint. There was just things like that, that it felt like it was forced. Um, so that was that. Yeah. That's my complaint. Well then what about praise on the way out? Praise on the way out. Um, there was a that whole thing with talking about Anne's history hmm, and what right. psychological the, effect that had on her. That was incredible. I felt that that was really done well. Um, that felt very organic. Uh, it, it, it flowed really easily and it did feel like if, if we, I, I did feel like if Ellen Montgomery was going to be right, you know, going to just cards on the table and write about it, that's, I, I would have bought it. I completely bought it as okay. This this is this is legitimate. This is a real thing that Anne is dealing with in her life, and I, I felt that that was as far as something that surprised me in the story. That you're gonna get, you're probably gonna get from fanfic, but you're not gonna get from the original author. I really appreciated that. I thought that that was very well done. And as far as things that felt very Anne and you know, Avonlea, absolutely, when they're at the Miller's house, the yeah. way that the scene is set up, the way that they interact with each other, the way that it goes into, um, you know, their perspectives of what's going on and just the tone of it, 
that was that was really well done. I, I enjoyed that. That felt like I was reading Anne. I was just thinking that like if you took the Miller storyline mm-hmm. and cut away everything else in this story, it would be a much yeah, shorter it would be a much shorter and very solid fanfic. It'd be very uh, poignant. It would. And, and, and like it even leads into Anne kind of like um, thinking about her own like trauma and like addressing that a little bit. Like that yes. that's still part of that storyline, but only at the end, but in an organic way. Like I yes. just thought it was a very strong section as well. It was, it was very good. And it actually, it, it felt like, you know, had, had I just, had someone just handed me that and I had read it, I would not have been able right off the bat to tell that it wasn't Ella Montgomery. Just, hmm. I would have, I would have bought it. Well, that, that makes me want to say my praise, which is the general tone. You talked about it feeling, things feeling very Avonlea at one point. A lot mm-hmm. of this story did feel like spending more time in, Avonlea in Ellen yeah. Montgomery's Prince Edward Island. And I feel like that's a really important thing for this series in particular, because at a certain yes. point you are reading it just <laughs> to spend more time there, you know? Yes. It's like once once a lot of the events of Anne's life have been resolved, I'm thinking of like Anne's House of Dreams sort of thing, or like some of the short stories I've read by her, you are just kind yeah. of reading it because it's like a comforting, like comfortable place that you're familiar with now. And reading this fanfic felt like that. It felt like reading more of that in a very kind exactly. of like uh, comfort food sort of way. I don't mean yeah. that disparagingly. I just mean like, I mean that <laughs> no, like no. complimentingly. But, yeah. but that's, that's the appeal of Anne. Right. That's the appeal of Anne Shirley is the fact that it is, you know, it's like going home for old fashioned Christmas. You know, you know, exactly. Yeah. You know exactly what to expect, but you know that everything's going to turn out. Okay. Even if it's not okay. And, I just, you know, I kind of, it makes me kind of wonder if the stuff that was written that felt off was written more to appease the readers because this, there was just so much heart in the stuff with the Millers and the stuff with Anne talking about her childhood. There was so much heart in that and there was so much spirit to it. And well, it, that is the essence of Anne. That was like the second spirit. chapter, right? which was the Millers. The Millers was like, it was like se- no, like fourth or a fifth. It, it wasn't that. It was, yeah. It was, it was a couple of chapters in. It was I, the party. Um, I'm glancing through the comments. I feel like a lot of it is praise for the Ann Gilbert. So I think there definitely was an element of that being what people wanted yeah. to read. And, yeah. you know, we don't know how much the author was playing to that, but when we had right. Tarin on talking about his fanfic, he did say like, Oh yeah! At that point, I was just doing whatever the whatever the readers, you know, suggested I do. As a young, impressionable author, right? I mean, Tarn was very young writing that. I don't think this author was like thirteen or however old Tarn was. I could have been. No, if she was, well, if she was, I'm very impressed. Yeah, right. (laughs) I mean, she she could have been though. Like, how old was that Smurfs author? Like, younger than that. That was a really good story. It was. (laughs) Um. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, hard to know. Sorry, I couldn't get into the author. It's hard to know, but it, it felt like if if I were to kind of critique it just as far as like a writing standpoint, I would assume I, I would prob I would venture to guess that anything that was, you know, the um, will they won't they with Anne and Gilbert that I would say that that probably was written to get people's attention and to appease the fans, whereas the stuff that was you know i don't even know 
Um, I apologize. That felt that that felt like it was more for the author. Mm, more like Which, personal or from the heart, maybe. Yeah, so I, yeah, I she kinda, meant it. I kind of feel like the, like there was a lot of good technical execution of this fanfic, like to the point where. I think if they just had a really strong, good um, external editor, it could have been turned into something more interesting. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, quite honestly, have if, if you took out the whole thing with Anne and Gilbert and the romance and just... The thing is with Anne and Gilbert and, that, and the romance, even in the books, the less that they say, it's, 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 it's unspoken. I mean, this whole thing is always in the background with Anne and Gilbert, there's always that undertone of he he's in love with her and she's trying not to be in love with him. But the less they talk about it, the better it feels <laughs> because <laughs> that's that, but that's also what Anne's doing at this point in her life until she realizes that she does love Gilbert. She's ignoring it. And I feel like her ignoring it is more natural. Um, hmm. And it says more. It's like just the less they say about it, the more is is said. So the fact that, the, you know, Gilbert kind of stews about it, like, uh, okay. But, you know, if they had taken that part out, I would have loved to have read something with just talking about the Millers and their backstory and their interaction with the rest of the community of Avonlea and, you know, what happens with, with the kids later on and that sort of thing. I would have, that would, that would have been great. And, just and talking about her background. Um, well, speaking of this story, you know, and how it would benefit from like a thorough editing pass, um, you know, Anne of Green Gables is public domain in some parts of the world. You can <laughs> and people have just published sequels to it. Or <laughs> I, in the one most recent case, a prequel, someone wrote a prequel book, which then got adapted into an anime in Japan as well um, about her life, you know, I guess being knocked around families and boarding not boarding, uh, orphanages. Orphanages, right? which, yeah. Which I wasn't interested in the slightest in reading, but now I'm almost curious to see somebody <laughs> else's take on that experience. Yeah. After this story specifically, right. kind of like bringing up that that's, oh yeah, that's actually an enormous deal in her life. And it like is. there's a lot of interesting things happening there. It's not just like, uh, she had a boring life and then she came to a cool island. <laughs> <laughs> you know, where where all these really fun, super awesome things yeah i mean it, <laughs> it, it it is it's a part of Anne, and it's part of why she looks for the magic in life is because she had such a horrible childhood and yeah no i'm curious too i'm very curious now and i'm actually going to see what i can do to track down the anime <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we well i mean there's also the book like, the, the, the pre the prequel anime is based on a prequel book but <laughs> right uh yeah they they like Anne of green gables in japan if that wasn't bit. clear you get a lot of a bit. Get a lot of tourists to Prince Edward Island from Japan. <laughs> they actually have in Japan set up a mock Green Gables there because not everyone can afford to go to Prince Edward Island. So they have That's one amazing. in Japan. So you can visit <laughs> and, you know, you can visit Green Gables without having to actually go to Canada. I, I missed which, my chance. I know. Do you, it's do, okay. do you think it's guarded by the life size Gundam? <laughs> by the what? <laughs> Probably a different place. Probably life-sized Gundam that they have set up somewhere. Oh boy! <laughs> Shall we uh, wrap up? Yeah, let's finish up. Yes, please. So, Ashley, thanks so much for having it for coming on, having us on. Thanks so much for having us on your podcast about <laughs> Anne of Green Gables. <laughs> yes, it's mine. Thanks, you guys. This was a lot of fun. I really appreciate doing this, and that was 
fascinating. Again, never read fanfic before, and now mm-hmm. I'm curious. I might have to start delving into it some more. Yeah, do it. Yeah. Uh, th- thanks for hanging out with us. <laughs> you can go explore all that and with an E fan fiction and get back to us about what you find. <laughs> do you really want me to do that? Here's the honest thing. Yeah, I, I'm not going to watch any and with an E. I have other things to do, like small children and stuff. But, ter- you know, house. yeah, Terrace House. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so it would be lost on me. Well, awesome. Thanks so much for having me, you guys. Yeah, it was lots of fun. I'm glad that we got a chance to delve into that, especially since I've been reading some Montgomery, you know, mm-hmm. fairly recently. Uh, Ash, do you have anything you want to plug? Or Oh, yeah. Um, yes, I would like to say that I really, again, really appreciate doing this, but um, the fact is, is I would like to point out that I've done this entire podcast without asking Amato to um, recite the Spanish Inquisition sketch. <laughs> I don't think I could anymore. You've what? lost it, man. Yeah. <laughs> Still remember the Jabberwocky, but I don't really remember the order anything is said in that sketch. <laughs> okay, so just just for for, for context, um, I would sometimes pick up Dom's and a motto and, and give their friends a ride home, and my car didn't have a radio, so <laughs> I could make a motto recite. Um, the Spanish Inquisition sketch from Monty Python to entertain us on the way home. And he, I, I mean, you were such a sport. <laughs> you, were awesome. you were a very good sport. I don't remember that really at all. How do you don't remember all. that? Doms, do you remember that? Well, I guess because I, I blocked don't. it out. I guess this is my traumatic childhood experience here. <laughs> I just don't think I, it registered on your radar. <laughs> that's why I'm afraid of cars now. <laughs> it is. It is, but yeah, no, apparently you said something about like your parents had it on a record player and that that's how you memorized it. Oh, yeah, yeah. But... I, well, we did have that. That's true. We had mm-hmm. those old Muddy Python uh, records. Yeah. Huh. So I would just, I would like to point out that I went through this entire podcast without asking him to, to do it. I just brought it up, but I didn't ask him. So <laughs> well Yay done. Me. Very good. <laughs> Other than that, is there any kind of internet presence that you have that you want to advertise to our? Uh, non-zero number of listeners. Oh, and also we should point out that Ashley was the one that made our logo. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh, right. I forgot, I I forgot that. about that. <laughs> Shh, don't tell people that. <laughs> um, but just for, for any listeners who are really into Anne of Green Gables, uh, can I recommend a book? Yeah, for sure. So there's a book called The, Tre- the Anne of Green Gables Treasury by Carolyn Storm Collins and Christina Weiss Erickson. And what they, it was Two moms, I, I think it was two moms who, like so many of us, really loved the story. And they were trying to find out more about the historical aspect of it and just about Anne's world on a day-to-day basis. And they couldn't find anything, so they ended up doing a lot of research. And there's this great book. I think you can get it on Amazon. And it shows everything from the timeline of Anne of Green Gables uh, chronologically to it actually has like a floor plan layout of what Green Gables looked like. Whoa. which is kind of cool. And it has some really fun arts and crafts stuff that you can do everything from sewing like a baby bonnet to different recipes to how to have tea and that sort of thing. So it's, it's fascinating. It's really interesting and a, a great way to look at it historically. That's really neat. <laughs> Thank you. I tried like super hard. But, All yeah. right. Then I guess That's we're going to close it off then and go back home and, I don't know, dream about Gables, whatever a Gable is. 
It's a part of a house. It's yeah, some part. Huge. Some part. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's on the roof. It's something. But yeah, it was. It, thank you. That was fun. Thank you again. I appreciate it. All right. Yeah. This was episode 71 of Retro Fanfic Retrospective, A Little Romance by Emmy. Oh, wait a minute. Who was it? Emmy Peters? I don't have that in front of me. This is your job, Amadam. I should have had that. Emmy Peters. I was right. I was right. <laughs> don't doubt yourself. By Emmy Peters. You can find the story on fanfiction.net and we'll provide a short link there at bit.ly slash RFR romance. Just a little romance. The intro song for the podcast is The Weekly Fair off of the album Popey's Incredible Adventure by Komiku. The outro song is Run Against the Universe from the same album. You can find that album and other works by Komiku at loyaltyfreakmusic.com. You can find our website at retrofanficretrospective.podbean.com or bit.ly slash retrofanfic. And if you have comments, questions, or thoughts about the episode, please contact us on Twitter at Retrofanfic, Facebook at Retrofanfic, we've got Reddit at Fanfic Retrospective, or send us an email at retrofanficretrospective at gmail.com. You can also leave comments or reviews on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast service you use. We've gotten a couple of uh, YouTube comments as well. Yeah. And there haven't been enough comments yet for the YouTube comment section on our, you know, copies of our podcast to be hellholes. So it's probably still a pleasant place to post. Yeah, we had a comment on um, episode 60, the Final Fantasy VII one, Mm -hmm. where uh, a user mentioned that they had the same podcast that they printed out and stapled a spine to so they can read it on family vacations. The same fanfic. Yeah. No one is yet printing out our podcast (laughs) so they can read it on family vacations. Right. First, I have very little life. Give me time. (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah i that's interesting i've i feel like i was just looking at another fanfic yeah one we're going to be doing later on where i saw other people online who had printed it out and you know had a copy on their shelf mm-hmm. anyway i'm a motto i'm dom uh-oh <laughs> and we lost the, the skype call but thanks again for ashley for coming on <laughs> yes we're just three earth life forms but only two present trying to be nice to each other until next time take care That's good. Okay, it's fine. That's good. Of history on it and help explain things. Oh yeah. So heads up. <laughs> there's gonna need a few things. A few things are gonna need yeah. to be explained. Hey, hey, did Dom... you know no there's more than one book? <laughs> oh my sweet summer child. Dom's mind was just blown a moment ago. <laughs> <laughs>